Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Pro and college football is now in full swing, and we're coming up on the last couple weeks of the baseball season, which means you need bet online more than ever before. You can use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take it easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it is as always a podcast welcome welcome everybody i hope you all are having a fan tabulous friday however and whenever it is you may be stopping in today is of course september 23rd according to my count it may not be that according to your count but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening we are going to take a breather an exhale from football if you want all your college football and nfl fixins you can listen to blake jude and myself on our wonderful thursday podcast here on take it easy You can listen to Wednesday's show in which I did 45 minutes about Trey Lance and his injury. You can listen to our NFL Monday show from Monday, of course. And you can listen to myself and Cam from DSD going at it on Tuesday. So we're going to take a break from football here. And we are going to move into Major League Baseball to head into the weekend. Because we have our good friend Bob Nightingale joining us once again here on the show Bob joins us periodically. He is a national USA Today baseball writer. Many of you have seen him as a newsbreaker on Twitter as well. Uh, He does a lot of great work covering baseball, and he stops by every now and again to talk to us. So we're going to do baseball here on a Friday. When it comes to the two big basketball stories that are going around right now, Robert Sarver and Ime Udoka, those are the two stories with very separate issues, differences in leadership and owning the team. Obviously, Robert Sarver has now decided he's going to sell based on economic pressure from the league. Those are stories that I don't think we have enough details on to really do an in-depth story. So perhaps next week we'll do an in-depth Robert Sarver story once again. If you want the initial conversation and the details from Baxter Holmes, you can check that out over on the podcast we did last week. And if you want to hear conversation about Sarver in the future. There's other outlets to turn to. I, I don't have a an in-depth analysis done yet. So both of those stories will move into next week, waiting hopefully for more information to come available so that we can do full-scale podcasts. Today, we are going to talk with Bob Nightingale about Major League Baseball 
and everything that is happening thus far. As we are now two weeks out from the playoffs, two weeks left in Major League Baseball season, and as you're going to hear Bob and I talk about right now, we basically know who the 12 playoff teams are going to be with two weeks in the season. There's not major pennant chases. There isn't pl- uh, wild card controversy now that we have six wild or six, three wild card teams, six total, three in each league. Now that there's an expanded playoff, there's less controversy with the wild card teams, and so uh, we kind of know who the teams are. It'll be a battle of seeding and setting up rotations and all of the interesting storylines headed into October. Bob and I are going to talk about as many of them as we can here over today's episode. Joining us once again on the show is Bob Nightingale of USA Today. Uh, He joins us periodically here on the Take It Easy podcast to talk some baseball. Bob, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks. So we're coming up on the end of the season. Most of the teams in the playoffs, we know now a lot of it's going to be about seeding up to this point. Uh, So I'm interested in that, but obviously it's difficult to know how seeding is going to play out because like, for example, in the American League wild card, all the teams are separated by like one game right now. But uh, we kind of have an idea of who the teams are going to be. Maybe Milwaukee has a late season charge, but uh, anything interesting now that we basically know who the 12 playoff teams are going to be? No, just kind of seeding. I mean, both are up in the air. Uh, you know, in the American League, it means a whole lot more because that number four spot is wide open. That way you get to host those three games. So it would be fascinating if it's uh, Seattle. You're never having a uh, playoff game since 2001, and it'd be a shame for them to make the playoffs and go out first round and not play a single game in front of their own home fans. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing I think about as a Padres fan, where there isn't a chance that they're going to play at home because they're going to be either the five or the six based on seeding with Philadelphia. It would be fascinating to watch Seattle play a series against uh, either Tampa or Toronto in that 5-4 matchup just because of how those pitching staffs are set up between all three teams. Obviously, McClanahan just got hurt, so that changes the math a little bit for Tampa, but... Seattle versus either of those teams would be a great first round matchup in front of those Pacific Northwest fans. It would be funny if it's a uh, Seattle and Toronto in Seattle, just because when the Blue Jays go to Seattle, it's all filled with the uh, Blue Jay fans, you know, since so close to uh, Canada. So even though they'd have the home field advantage, there would be a ton of fans there rooting for the Blue Jays. Yeah, the the people from Vancouver come on down. And if we're talking about a playoff game, because this would be Toronto's first playoff appearance in, I think, six years or five years, going back to the team that had, uh, obviously, Batista and David Price and made it to the ALCS. Yeah, first up, full season. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think they were there in 2022, but of course, that wasn't a full season. That's right. They they I forgot they played Tampa that year. It, that series happened so quickly. I forgot that Toronto did make <laughs> the playoffs that year. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, in fact, I was covering. Uh, I was thinking I was in San Diego, twenty one straight days in the Gaslamp District because that year all the American League playoffs uh, were in San Diego. So I covered the uh, the Cardinals series against the Padres, and then stayed for uh, uh, throughout you know with the Yankees, Astros, everybody else. Were you there for the game where the Padres came back? It was game two of that series, and Tatis hit the famous home run, and Will Myers had two homers. Were you there for that game? Yeah, that place got loud, very loud. People were going crazy in San Diego. I think that was their first taste of uh, you know what postseason's like. 
Uh, but yeah, uh, I should say fans are going crazy. It was the fans outside the uh, wall because mm-hmm. the uh, you know with all the carnals and stuff like that. So they're making noise and doing all kinds of stuff. So there are only a handful of fans, family members in the stands. But a, uh, it was cool to see the vibe, uh, people from the rooftops and from the uh, decks, everything else. That's a super cool memory because it's fond for me as someone who grew up in San Diego. I don't live there anymore, but as someone who grew up there and the Padres never made the playoffs in my entire memorable childhood, <laughs> that was uh, that was a fond memory for myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These, uh, yeah, when I covered the Padres, they never made the playoffs uh, either. I came close. They had a great, great team in 92. Uh, about half the team was filled with all-stars, but fell just short. Yep. And then obviously 2006 being the last uh, trip before 2020. They'll they'll make it this year, though. And I know they've been kind of the talk of baseball a little bit just because of all of their deadline acquisitions regressing after coming to San Diego. Uh, it seems like they found a pretty good rhythm over the past week. What have you made of what's gone on with the Padres the last three to four weeks? It's funny. I think Bob Melvin kind of woke him up. I mean, he aired him out big time in uh, Phoenix after they lost the first game to the Diamondbacks. And, uh, you know, he was very upset after the game, lit into the team the next day, saying, hey, it's you know, time to wake up here. Uh, you know, it's inexcusable the way you guys are playing. And boom, they, they haven't lost a game since. So uh, it's just funny because that's what Atlanta did too. Atlanta lost the first couple of games to the Diamondbacks. Brad Schnicker uh, had team meeting and they went 14 straight. So maybe the key is to have a team meeting in Arizona. Yeah, and and for the Padres, they're firmly in the playoffs now. That they're, they're at the moment ahead of Philadelphia. It's not a guarantee that they'll finish ahead of Philadelphia, but it, it seems like their playoff positioning is secure. They have relatively good health, at least everyone who's planning to be there at this point. And uh, it, it's been an interesting road. They they don't know exactly who they're going to play yet, of course, because of what's going on in the National League East and and the battle for that last spot, which. Has been incredible to watch. I know I, I was uh, following the Braves game. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the uh, the Mets game earlier in the week, and and it's been a crazy run for them and and giving back the division and everything that's gone on in the National League East. Yeah, they could play uh, Atlanta. Could, could play the Mets if the Mets are runner up or uh, uh, St. Louis. I, I think it'd be a fun matchup with them and the Cardinals. Uh, another playing, you know, right now this week. Uh, but yeah, just to see in St. Louis with uh, pool holes and Molina and Wainwright, uh, it'd be some fascinating theater. Oh, it most certainly would be. And even if Philadelphia were to play them, that would be interesting given what Philadelphia's pitching staff has looked like up to this point. And obviously the the strength of the Cardinals being those uh, those guys in the middle of the lineup, which just to clarify, Goldschmidt's going to probably win National League MVP, right? Most likely. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a heavy favorite. Uh, no matter what he does these next two weeks or last two weeks, uh, things would have to go terribly wrong for him. But yeah, he's definitely the driver's seat. Then two through five in the MVP is pretty much wide open. I mean, you've got a uh, you know Machado's in, in that picture, Freddie Freeman's in that picture, uh, Mookie Betts, Austin Riley, uh, a lot of guys all playing for playoff teams uh, should make it a. Uh, fascinating to see that the rest of the ballot what do you make of philadelphia so far as they go to they're going to make the playoffs for the first time in 13 years a team that has consistently underperformed expectations and this year they've played very well what have you made of them so far 
Yeah, they they, uh, they kind of tease you. They look like they're very good at times. Other times they look awful. You know, they just lost five in a row. Uh, you know, almost lost a six one. Came back in the Blue Jays being down three zero in the eighth. Uh, so yeah, it's a uh, a good team, but not a great team. I mean, if you're the uh, Padres, uh, I would think that's the team you want to play in the first round if you can. <laughs> so everyone's hoping that they can play against Philadelphia and everyone's hoping they can play against St. Louis. That That's kind of the the math going on in the National League right now. Yeah, I mean, everyone else wants to stay away from the Dodgers, of course, and uh, Atlanta and the Mets. I mean, those are the uh, you know top three teams. Uh, I think the Padres could be a sleeper with that rotation, particularly the way Blake Snell is pitching now. In Atlanta, I mean, uh, St. Louis is always dangerous. They know how to win October. So I don't, I want to count them out. Who would be the Padres top of the rotation guy come a three game series? Would it be Darvish at this point or would it be Musgrove or, or maybe even Clevenger sliding in somewhere? Yeah, I would go with Darvish. Uh, he's been very good. What is it? 21 straight starts over six innings. He's a horse. I would go uh, Darvish one, Musgrove two. And then uh, I'd probably go Snell uh, game three. He's pitching better than Clevenger now. So I'd, I'd go in that order. Okay, so I know Blake Snell had turned it around, and and obviously Clevenger has uh, had multiple stints on the IL this year, and I guess it's interesting to hear you say Blake Snell. Obviously, left-hander versus right-hander changes that up too. I' interested to hear Blake Snell getting back into the rotation for the Padres. Yeah, I mean uh, the last few starts he's uh, turning on. I mean, Florida with a no hitter on uh, Wednesday night uh, against the Cardinals. And, uh, but yeah, he's, you know, he's pitching lights out. Usually the Cardinals do very well against left-handed pitchers, but, but not, uh, not Wednesday night. I mean, you shut them down. Well, of course you'd have Pujols and Arenado and Goldschmidt who, you know, I think Pujols at one point had a 1.2 OPS against, uh, left-handed hitting and that incredible run that he's been on. They dominate left-handers. Goldschmidt's one of the best in baseball against left-handed hitting. So the, the Cardinals definitely would benefit from that in whatever series they end up playing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, but they're a dangerous team. I mean, just, you know, that time of year, I mean, they should have they beat the Dodgers last year in the wild card game. You know, they had the lead going in late. Uh, so we'll see. But yeah, clearly the Dodgers are the best team on paper followed real close by with Atlanta in the Mets. But I, I think the Atlanta and the Mets have a better chance of uh, getting to the World Series than the Dodgers do just because the way their pitching is lined up. So for the Dodgers, do you think you could put into context how good the Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman top of the order has been for the Dodgers? Because there's all kinds of stats about how they have a incredible combined OPS and and their abilities to hit not just for power and average. And that one, two, three has been one of the best in recent memory in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's one of the top, uh, you know, lineups you, you can uh, think of in a, in a long, long time, uh, you know, with those guys. And then when you have Cody Bellinger, you know, hitting ninth, you got a pretty good, you got a pretty good lineup. <laughs> so yeah, those three guys have been tremendous. Freeman's exactly what they, uh, what they needed. Uh, you know, Betts is uh, a superstar and Trey Turner might be one of the top, you know, five players in all of baseball. I and mean, this guy's tremendous and he's going to make a whole lot of money uh, this winter as a free agent. Whether it's with the Dodgers or another team, we don't really know at this point. Yeah, uh, so many teams want him. Uh, I think he's going to the Phillies. 
Uh, Philly's near the shortstop. Uh, he's from Florida. That way they have a spring train there. Gets to uh, East Coast a lot more often. So he's more of an East Coast uh, kid. And uh, and we'll see uh, if the Dodgers fork out that kind of money. I don't think they'll want to spend over $300 million. So maybe they grab another free agent. You know, maybe they take you know, Swans away from Atlanta. Would that slide Turner in as the second hitter on the Phillies at this point, assuming they want Schwarber to keep hitting leadoff? No, I, I would definitely switch. I would, I would have uh, Turner lead off, especially with the speed and everything else. Next year with the enlarged bases, is, you know, in the Bach rule, it's going to be a lot easier to get stolen bases. So I'd definitely have uh, Turner leading off. That would be interesting because then Philadelphia would be boasting one heck of a, a top of the order. If you put Turner with Schwarber and uh, obviously Bryce Harper and still having, you know, Hoskins in there and other guys, that would be quite the top of the order for the Phillies. Yeah, in real Mudo. Uh, yep. Yeah, it'd be unbelievable, uh, unbelievable offense. And uh, in turn, provides such great defense too. So maybe the perfect fit. That would be really interesting. Something I hadn't considered until you brought it up now. I think that would be a an interesting move, of course. Uh, you mentioned something else with the Dodgers that I... I found fascinating as as we came post trade deadline was the idea of them putting Muncie, Bellinger, and Gallo all in the same lineup at the same time, and I thought that was interesting because they're all they do very similar things. Of course, they play different mm-hmm. positions, but they're big lefties who hit for power and low average. But it's worked out pretty well for the Dodgers so far, despite having you know players in the middle of the order who who have very skim- similar skill sets. Yeah, they can you know. These next two weeks just experiment with different things. Uh, I don't think in the playoffs you want all three guys in the lineup at the same time. There's too many strikeouts, but uh, they can play around with it now and, and see uh, which direction they want to go. Would that mean more Bellinger going to the bench? Because obviously he brings the defensive side. Would it mean uh, Gallo being more of a platoon hitter? What would what do you think that would look like for the Dodgers? I think Gallo would be more platoon. Uh, you need Bellinger in, in center field. He plays outstanding defense so uh i would think he's in a lineup no matter what he's doing offense wise okay so that that's an interesting way for that to play out once they get down to the end there um over on the american league side uh last time we came on we talked a a bit about cleveland and now it looks like cleveland is pretty securely in the third playoff spot uh in the american league it's been an interesting season for them because it's been a lot of uh, a similar story to what happened with the Giants last year, where a lot of the players are uh, lesser known names, but they're all producing at a, at a very good level, whether it be Jimenez making the all-star team or Josh Naylor having the game winner the other day against the White Sox in extra innings. Um, what's been the deal with Cleveland as of, say, the last month post trade deadline? Well, yeah, I mean, the difference between uh, the Giants and Cleveland is just that uh, Cleveland's got so many great young players. I mean, they're only going to get better. I think they had 15 guys who made their major league debut this year. So, I mean, they could run the uh, run the, run the the gamut there for a while in the AL Central. Uh, so, this, you know, they're getting good starting pitching. Uh, the offense is uh, finally clicking. That's always been, uh, you know, the troublesome spot for them. And uh, – yeah, I don't. I don't see them going deep in the playoffs this year, but I. I think they're getting ready for one more, you know, World Series run before uh, Francona is done managing. That would make sense because I feel like they, even though they would be hosting a series, whether it was Seattle, Toronto, or Tampa, I feel like those teams might be favored in a series against Cleveland just because of 
how well all of them have played so far this season. Yeah, it'd be interesting. If not, it'd be a uh, yeah, 50-50 type thing. But yeah, I, I agree. Even though Cleveland would be the home team and you know who knows how the young guys react under pressure uh who knows how they react with a with a uh sold out sold out stadium they don't draw any, anybody so we'll, we'll see whether pressure gets them or not how have you processed everything that's gone on with judge and the yankees in the last month because last time you were very much in on judge as the mvp now it's without question because he's hit 500 in the month of september but uh, what do you think of what's going on with the yankees yeah i mean another uh you know, that lineup is starting to gel besides just Aaron Judge. I mean, he's a uh, one-man wrecking machine there. But uh, some other guys are starting to step up, too. Stanton hits a big grand slam uh, earlier in the week. So uh, the whole thing's going to come down to pitching uh, outside Garrett Cole. You know, who's going to shut the door for, for, the, uh, for them? Also, the bullpen's been shaky with Clay Holmes and Chapman. So it'll be interesting to see how far they go. Uh, but yeah, Judge season is you know historical. You know, I think you got to go back to Jimmy Fox or something like that in the in the 30s. Uh, sort of the best season by Yankee, you know, since the Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth days. We talked about the the pitching staff of the Padres earlier. What would be the the three or four pitcher rotation at this point for the Yankees? Yeah, that'd be uh, yeah, great question. Outside of a uh, Garrett Cole, you know. What do you have? Uh, you know, Severino uh, came back, so he'd be top four for sure. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see about the rest. You know, Tyon should fit in there. Uh, but yeah, a lot of lot of question marks, and, and see what see what happens. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure which direction they'll go after Cole. Is Frankie Montas kind of out of the question at this point, given his injury and not great start since coming to the Yankees? We'll see. I mean, they, uh, you know, he's back on the injured list. Uh, you know, he may not be available for that first round. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he had the bad shoulder in, in Oakland and uh, now he has it again. So I think they'd be a little leery as far as trusting him in a big situation. So on the other side of the coin, the Houston Astros have looked pretty overwhelming at Looks like they're going to be the number one seed in the American League without question at this point. Um, what have you made of Houston and the pitching staff? Obviously, now Verlander is is battling injuries for them. Um, is Houston a team that is kind of worried about health come playoff time, or are they going to be a, a team that should be okay with everything going on by the time we get to October? Yeah, I mean, there's they're the team to beat in the American League. Uh you know, Verlander came off the injured list and pitched very well last time out. Uh, Framer Valdez is a horse. Uh, you know, the... Uh, Urtikidi. Yeah, Urtikidi is in there, but Lance McCullers is uh, pitching very well, so he'd probably be the uh, number three starter. But yeah, Garcia, but they're just loaded. And uh, they're, yeah, I mean, they're going to have the home field advantage throughout the uh, American League playoffs. Um, so yeah, they're easily, easily the team to beat, I think. Easily the team to beat, given uh, what's happened with the Yankees recently. I've been saying for a while, it feels like it's going to be Astros and Yankees. And of course, baseball's playoffs are random. But, you know, the Astros have certainly established themselves as the as the favorites going on here. Yeah, I think mean, that's what everybody wants is an Astros-Yankees rematch of ALCS. And it'd be pretty cool to see a rematch of 17 World Series, too, with the Astros and Dodgers. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure... 
Major League Baseball and the uh, networks all rooting for a, a Yankee Dodger World Series. You know, that would be uh, ratings bonanza. Or even Yankees and Mets or something that would uh, draw in the crowds for, I don't know what it would look like, but <laughs> there are certain there are certain matchups that would play out. Maybe the Astros who have been totally dominant don't don't fit the bill quite as much as the Yankees and the and the Dodgers would. Yeah, I mean, just to get the coast-to-coast ratings, first time they played a World Series together since 81. Uh, the total Yankees-Mets matchup is just they lose a lot of interest outside of New York City. Uh, I remember they met in 2000. The ratings weren't very good because almost like, you know, unless you live in New York or East Coast, uh, people out West didn't care. So that's why they like to have the whole country involved. The whole country involved from New York and Los Angeles are always the big winners, of course, in that one. That would be interesting to see. Uh, the Braves are, you, you mentioned earlier, and I skipped past it, you think that the Braves and uh, or the Mets, but specifically the Braves, might have a better chance than the Dodgers because of pitching. Um, d- does that still stand as, as we go closer to the playoffs and matchups start to break out? How important is it to win the National League East for either of those teams when they go up against the Dodgers? I don't think it's hugely important. I mean, you can avoid the Dodgers one more round um, by winning the division. But at least you get those uh, games at home the first round. It's a best of three. It's not a, uh, you know, one game where, you know, something could go terribly wrong. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Atlanta's got that, you know, pitching, especially with the way Strider has stepped up. You know, uh, you know they got a great one through four. Uh, the Mets, of course, just with the Grom in search of by themselves. So, uh It'll be interesting. Uh, the last weekend of the season, so uh, about 10 days from now, uh, the Mets go to Atlanta for a three-game series. So I think that's going to that's gonna ultimately decide who wins the division. One more question I forgot about earlier. What would the Dodgers rotation look like come a three-game playoff set right now? Because I assume Kershaw will be in there. Yeah, it's going to be uh, probably Kershaw, number one, uh, Julio Urias, number two, then either... Uh, Tyler Anderson or uh, or Dustin May would be would be three, uh, and then they uh, whoever's not three, that guy would be uh, going the fourth spot. So you know, uh, yeah, Bueller Bueller's out for not only this year but probably next year too with the uh, Tommy John surgery. So that's oh, what oh, makes it. Bueller had Tommy John already. I oh yeah. whoops, I yeah. missed that. <laughs> so so that makes him uh, you know weaker. And uh, the back then the bullpen with Craig Kimbrell has been shaky. So, yeah, without Bueller, I mean, that's a, that's a big blow. Yeah, Walker Bueller gone for the season. Yeah, so, yeah we're, not, uh, we're talking about 2024 for him. He won't be back next year either. Yeah, so uh, at the development of Urias has definitely helped for sure, though, because he, I think on the World Series team, he was a bullpen guy who, uh, and then, you know, two years later is now one of those anchors in the rotation for the Dodgers. Yeah, pitching very well. I mean, won 20 games last year. He got, what, 16, 17 this year. So uh, a horse, I mean, you could argue that he should be number one starter, uh, but Kershaw's pitched very well of late. So I'd probably go Kershaw one or he is two. All right. Bob Nightingale, USA Today. Follow him on Twitter and all of his great work. Thank you for stopping into the show once again. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you. Episode four. The Holy Dodger Empire continues their reign over the West. In previous years, the Holy Dodger Empire dismantled the once great Royal Cardinals, establishing a new power within the galaxy. 
the Holy Dodger Empire defeated the Royal Cardinals, invaded the Mill of Waukee, and vanquished the 107-win Giants. In the meantime, the Holy Dodger Empire pillaged both the Purple Rockies and the Backs of Diamond in Arizona. These invasions increased the Empire's wealth tenfold. Their resources are unmatched, their power is unquestioned. With the West and the Central firmly in control, the Holy Dodger Empire sets their sights on a new conquest, the Eastern Empire State. If the Holy Dodger Empire defeats Master Cohen and his Met army of queens, there will be nothing left to stop them from conquering the galaxy. To the south, a small resistance forms in San Diego. While outnumbered and outresourced, the resistance fights for their very existence against the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. It's a changing time in the galaxy. The once great Imperial Nationals of Washington have fallen. Years earlier, the Imperial Nationals once defeated the Holy Dodger Empire at the Battle of Strasbourg. Now, they find themselves bankrupt and selling pieces to the highest bidder. In this collapse, the Holy Dodger Empire captured a great captain known as Mad Max, who helped strengthen the Holy Dodger Empire's hold on the galaxy. However, Mad Max has escaped and defected to Master Cohen and the Met Army of Queens. He will spend whatever years he has left fighting to dismantle the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. And now, the legendary Imperial Captain Juan Soto has joined the Resistance after paying his debt to Kara the Hutt. To San Diego, Captain Juan Soto brings with him the Imperial Nationals' mighty Josh Bell. Joining Captain Soto is Lord Hader, the supreme closer of the Mill of Waukee, called to fight by the message of the Resistance and the possibility of bringing balance to the Force. The Resistance has paid a heavy price, yet they have never been closer to defeating the Holy Dodger Empire.